Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new episode of the Creative Insider. In this episode, I'm having a chat with Valentina Barufo. She's an Italian photographer, journalist, and 3D artist. She's educated also as architect. But what is amazing about her, she made a book recently. She published her first book called Quarantena, which is the Italian word for quarantine. And she combined images made in 3D CGI of her thoughts and emotions during the quarantine, during the lockdown, combined with her daily diary. So what we are going to do is go through the path of her life, how she started, how she got into journalism, photography, how she became a 3D artist. She has worked for some of the most important firms in that industry. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed the talk. And before we start, I'm going to ask you to support TCI Podcast because the podcast is for free. And uh, the only way you can make it better and support it is just by taking yourself 10 seconds to go on Instagram, type it at TCI Podcast, or go on LinkedIn, the Creative Insider Podcast page, or Facebook, the Creative Insider, also a page. This is the way that you can support us and because the more we are, the better it is. And um, creatives who are coming on the podcast will have a bigger platform and their voice will be heard. Thank you very much and enjoy the story of Valentina Barufo. new episode of the creative insider and today i have after some technical issues finally managed to register to record with uh, valentina hi vale hi hi everybody so uh vale you want to introduce yourself a little bit yeah thank you and uh, first of all thank you for your invitation um so my name is Valentina. Uh I'm I come from Italy. Uh at the moment I'm living in London, uh where I'm working as a 3D artist. Um I've been moving around in the last three years. Uh before coming to London, I was living in Budapest, uh, where I was working as well as a 3D artist. And before that, I was uh I had the chance to to live in Amsterdam and uh, UK also. Um, so a very very long journey uh, yeah. for for the audience because they don't know that um, I didn't know Valentina before before the podcast I found uh, her on LinkedIn so you are um, my first LinkedIn meet and um, what I got impressed from was the fact that you have published a book yeah. which um, <laughs> after talking to you it's a very very special book it's a very particular concept of a book, uh, but we'll we'll get to the book because we we have to to start from the beginning. Um, so you are from Italy, from Rome, right? From Rome, yeah. And um, what I have also seen is like you have studied uh, journalism and you have studied photography too. Yeah. So I want to start from the beginning. So when when did you decide that you wanted to be um, a creative 
or how do you define yourself? Because I've seen these three general topics in your CV. And so how would you define yourself and how you started to be interested in creativity? Yeah, I would definitely define myself as a creative. Um, I would say that when when I finished my my high school, I wasn't really sure of which kind of path uh, I wanted to take after with university. And um, just uh, during my last year, uh, I had this uh, this idea of uh, of studying architecture. I got closer to to the topics and. Um, to the artistic side of the faculty. And uh, before that, I always had this, this idea of uh, writing. So um, I, I had the dream of becoming a journalist. Um, I think I got closer to architecture because at that time, the idea of becoming a journalist in Italy, especially in Italy, was a little bit uh, tricky, especially in, uh, in finding a job after. Uh, so I started architecture and, um, and, uh, during university, even if I really liked all the topics, because as, as, um, what I think is that architecture is a, is a um, kind of university that gives you the chance to, to touch so many different aspects. Um, so I really liked it, but at the same time, I realized that I wasn't really so interested in designing the, pro- the, the, the building itself. And um, during university, I, um, I decided to, to um, attend um, a photographic academy here in Rome. Um, and that was maybe what gave me the chance to totally change my my path and to get closer to the the, the creative aspects of architecture um, so i i had a, a master in photography and uh, and through this academy i i had the chance to uh, to work as a photo reporter so basically what i was doing was writing um, writing articles for uh, for a magazine and uh, taking pictures for this magazine, especially for events, uh, for example, for cinema, for art. Um, uh, it was quite fun because uh, thanks to this opportunity, uh, for example, I, um, I managed to take pictures or to interview famous actors like, I don't know, Denzel Washington, that was like one of my favorite actors. And, uh, and I had the chance to, to talk to him. Oh, and, that sounds cool. Uh, yeah. But um, so y- you started uh, this. Um, so you did a master in photography. But how did you manage to do like in the same time architecture and photography? Was this uh, photography class like a part time or how did you? No, it, it was a little bit crazy because basically I was going to university in the morning uh, and then I s- uh, immediately after lunch, I was going to these um, photography classes and uh, the funny part was that after the classes in the evening i needed to go to the events and after the events i needed to to prepare articles um, and when did you sleep <laughs> yeah also that's the point like my parents remember about this um, this period of my life that like i wasn't sleeping at all like i was going to sleep at 3 in the morning and waking waking up at 7 and going to university i was never at home but but it, it was challenging, but but it was amazing, and um, and I think it opened so many doors to me. First of all, because 
uh, even if at the beginning I, I, the idea was just to take pictures to the, these events, then um, I realized that I actually uh, had the chance to write articles about these cultural events. And in um, writing articles, I could um, basically, we have this path in, Italian, in Italy that uh, you, you, you need to, uh, to work with, the, with, with a magazine for two years uh, before being able to register as a journalist. So I decided, I, I thought, okay, you know what? I, that's something that I always wanted to do. Why, why, why don't I do it? And then, um, and then, so it was like two really tiring years of my life. But at the end, um, I, I graduated as a photographer in this academy. And I also registered myself as a journalist. So and, how... Uh, how did you um, did you get connected like to 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 get these uh, gigs as a photographer or a reporter photography reporter? Um, where did you how did you transition? Because this is also something that I always ask to my guests. So because I think it's very helpful for the listeners to to understand if they they want to do a similar um, path as yours. Um, how did you find how did you find a way to get from from being a student, let's say you're a photography student, into getting these um, gigs as a reporter? So um, basically, when um, I, I think in um, many academies it works more or less the same. In the one that I uh, that I went to, uh, basically uh, we had different teachers. Uh, one for nature f- photography, one for uh, photo reportage, one for uh, architecture photography or post-production. And um, in particular, the, the professor from uh, photo reportage noticed that, uh, that, that he told me that he really liked how I was writing articles. And, um, and there was a, a magazine that was uh, basically owned by this academy um and he was the the um, the editor in chief of this magazine and he basically proposed me why don't you collaborate with our magazine and uh, let's see if uh, if maybe maybe you you realize that it's something that you you really like to do and uh, maybe in the future you you want to keep going on the um, on the journalism and uh, so i just started collaborating with them when um, when this teacher opened um, an own magazine uh, in which was um, a magazine for a, a particular really historical famous uh, area in Rome which is called um, Monteverde and um, and uh, the project was going on and he asked me to to um, to collaborate with this other magazine as well so from one moment to the other one, I passed from being a student uh, like to working with him, going to, for example, to the theater, uh, interviewing actors, uh, um, taking pictures of the shows, uh, organizing events. Um, and, uh, and thanks to this, for example, I had the chance to meet so many people and to like so many creative people. And, uh, and it was just super inspiring for me. So, and in the meanwhile, you kept studying architecture, and you graduated in architecture too. Yeah, exactly. One year after, so in, at the end of 2016, I graduated in architecture. Then you were uh, registered uh, a journalist at that time too. Yeah, exactly. 
and um uh what is what is this is this academy uh, a very famous academy for photography were there international students also at that academy or was pretty local let's say mm, it's quite famous in rome it's called um um Euroma, uh, Euromar, um, but now they changed the name like actually two years ago, so um, it's not called like this anymore. But um, there were not international students. It was focused on the, uh, on photography, but also on um, on makeup. So basically, it was quite quite nice actually because they had the photographer, the the the, the photography academy, and then they had the makeup. So uh, basically, photographers. Students, the students were taking books and like um, pictures of the of the um, girls that were from the makeup academy, and the opposite, you know, like uh, uh, people from from makeup academy were preparing the models from for the photographers. So okay. it was a, a really nice collaboration. Okay, so it sounds it sounds very interesting. And so you, in 2016, you said you graduated architecture, and you had your photography background. And um, how did you realize that? Uh, when did you realize you were also in uh, into 3D 3D art, CG CG art? So basically, um, I would say that studying photography uh, allowed me to get closer to post production. Okay, so, so to the idea of communicating with an image, to the idea of post-producing an image. Um, and this was the first step. Uh, after that, when I, um, when I decided to, to work on my final thesis for, uh, for university, uh, I was really interested in um, historical restoration. And um, I decided to, to do my thesis on, uh, on our really ancient um, abandoned convent monastery in a in a city close to rome which is called tuscania um this monastery is like it's huge it's three thousand square meters and there were no documents about it so i needed to do the um, the architect architectural survey and uh, to produce all the documents that actually today we have about it and um, at one point, my my professor was. Uh, she she told me, "Hey, why don't you also work on the communication of this building? Um, why don't we um, uh, create a three D model and uh, and then maybe a video?" And uh, we because because she knew that I was a photographer, so she really liked my, the pictures that I took in this place, and she wanted to use them somehow. And I said, okay, I, I have no idea where to start. I, I've never done a 3D model before. Uh, so let's see. And I found um, a one-week uh, course um, with a teacher that is quite famous here in Italy. He is uh, called Angelo Ferretti. And uh, this course was, uh, was in uh, Cinema 4D. So for one week, I, I, I went to his lessons, tried to learn as much as possible as I could and um, and then I tried to to make this this 3d model but obviously like uh, it wasn't that the best model ever um, but working on it uh, and uh, also 
learning how to do video, a little bit of video editing, a little bit of animation to create this video uh, just made me realize that I really wanted to, to work with, um, with, the, with the communication of the project. And I realized that actually all my, like the, all my path, uh, photography, journalism, architecture, visualization, all of these things were going together into communication. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I realized. But yeah, but I think that also photography, because I, I'm not, I have never followed a photography class, but I started um, taking pictures a couple of years ago as a passion. And uh, now and nowadays you can self-teach you a lot of things just from researching on the web. And uh, when you start taking pictures, you have also this, um, you develop this uh, sort of taste for perspectives. So you, you start understanding where is the best uh, how to take a, a picture with a great composition and um, where to, what would give you emotions if you take a picture, so what would give emotions to to who is uh, watching at the picture. So I think that's uh, something that for sure it's helpful to to have as a knowledge if you want to wanna start into, into 3D art. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you said you have followed this class of one week um, and you have basically learned the basics and how you did you, how did you develop further on your 3d skills or how did you um, when you when you I guess you completed your thesis uh, by making yeah. this 3d and video and from there further on how did you find a job into into the industry because I've seen you have worked for many lead leadership um, companies, lead leading companies in the, in the industry, and you're still working in one of the leading companies in the industry. So uh, how this transition happened from being a student passionate about it to transitioning into the professional world? Yeah, um, basically after graduating, um, I went for, uh, for a couple of months. Uh, I, I went to Cambridge because uh, I needed to study English. I had this idea of uh, going, trying to work abroad. Uh, imagine until the end of university, I've, I've never traveled around. So that was my, my one of the first and um, surely the, the, the biggest uh, travel I had ab abroad. So I went to Cambridge for two months and um, I was studying English and, um, and I was working on my portfolio. So um, I was going to this uh, English school in the morning and then in the afternoon I was uh, uh, studying, keep studying 3D modeling and uh, preparing some images. Um, and you were still still studying uh, the same. But by the way, for who is listening, uh, we're not making uh, any commercial to the software. So it's just to give a knowledge about what are the softwares that are in the field. So you were uh, which software were you studying to? I was still studying Cinema 4D. Okay, you were still in yeah. Cinema 4D. So, and um, did you what did you study it by yourself, or you studied again? Did you follow a class or? No, I kept studying by myself. So I was watching tutorials and um, and uh, the lessons that I had in Italy were really, really good. So they really gave me a good base. Um, and basically my portfolio at that time was mostly about interior images. Um, 
I prepared like I stayed there for two months and after that I came back to Rome and I was still working on this portfolio and uh, including also obviously um, things from university because at that time I I knew I wanted to work with communication of the project but I wasn't entirely sure how to proceed you know with uh, finding a job so I was still having a portfolio that was including architectural projects. Um, I spent in Rome three weeks and then I was like, no, I, I really want to go back. So I went back to Cambridge, uh, not as a student anymore. So I basically I went there and I uh, started working in a cafe in the morning and uh, kept working on this portfolio. And uh, after uh, two months, my portfolio was ready. And uh, I did something that at that time I was really shy about it. So I started going uh, in person to every single architecture firm in Cambridge, uh, taking my my portfolio to them and asking if they wanted to, to have a chat with me. And um, most of them were not uh, were not interested in uh, in hiring, uh, but one of them was was really nice. And um, this architect um, spent with me a couple of hours talking about about my portfolio, and uh, he was. He was really impressed by by the images, especially. And uh, he told me, okay, good. Uh, it was really nice to meet you. I really like your enthusiasm. Uh, I, I will have to let you know because um, I wasn't planning to hire anybody. And yet that was my last week in Cambridge. So um, I prepared all my things. I went back to Rome. And after two days, he called me back and he told me that he wanted to offer me a job. And uh, that so was, you was a... <laughs> repacked again, and uh, from Rome you went back to Cambridge. No, I didn't do that because in the meantime uh, I kept sending portfolios also in to other countries. And uh, during the same week, I was I took a little bit of time to think about it. And uh, during the same week, I I um, uh, got an offer for an internship in Amsterdam. And uh, and I decided that I wanted to go to Amsterdam. So I packed everything. So I spent, in, I don't know, like a few weeks in Rome and then I packed everything again and I went to Amsterdam. And, um, and I had this three months internship in Amsterdam where in a small architecture firm where uh, I was uh, basically working on images. But my skills were not good at all at that time because I was still learning. Um, so I, they, they, they put me on a project for a, for a university in Saudi Arabia and, um, and it was just a huge project and I needed to do images and I didn't know where to start because until that time I just had, um, I don't know, like living room images or kitchen images. Uh, so it was a challenge, but it was really nice. And um, and when I was there, um, also uh, like a couple of months after I arrived, two months to Amsterdam, a big big company from Berlin, which is called Eve Images, um, called me for an interview. They were opening a new office in Budapest, and um, and they were looking for uh, people to to basically uh, start uh, a new group there. And uh, the interview went really, really well, and um, they offered me a job. So I packed everything, went back to Rome for a couple of weeks, and then I went to Budapest. 
and um, in uh, when so, I arrived. So your life, your life turned from not being traveling around at all to barely staying in t- at your hometown uh, back back in back in Rome. Um, I yeah. ve- I I think it's very exciting your story because uh, uh, it turned it it kind of accelerated suddenly from from you know this job in um, in Cambridge to this whole. Uh, opportunity to travel around Europe. Um, what I try always always also to ask the to the guests and to you also, I will be asking. Um, you said you got this job or this internship opportunity in in the the Netherlands, and um, I'm curious, were they paying you enough to survive on yourself, or you needed to get some support from family or? No, I got the biggest support from my family, definitely in Amsterdam, uh, for two reasons. Uh, the first one is that yeah, the internship was uh, had a really low pay, and uh, Amsterdam is a really expensive city. Uh, so my family were supporting me, and um, and they supported me also at the beginning when I was in Budapest because the first. Uh, three months imagine when i arrived to budapest i didn't know how to use 3d studio max which is another software um i would say that is the most used uh, software yeah it's the most now. common for for yeah. architectural visualization um and i think i had no idea like i never opened 3d studio max before that and uh, so i arrived there and they told me look that's not a problem because we we know you were working in Cinema 4D. What we ra- liked about your portfolio was the uh, your composition skills, the design, uh, the lighting. We're gonna teach you everything about uh, the software. And uh, I, I, it was fun because I had this idea that for um, at least one month they were going to teach me, right? But like the second day that I was there, they put me on a project already. So I literally spent like one week without sleeping during night because I was super scared because I didn't know where to put my hands and uh, and I was just just thinking okay they're going to fire me because I don't know <laughs> what to do and I don't know how to do things but I had I, really I think that that's the first um, thought to- that you get every time you're in a new job because uh, on my first job they told me the same thing don't worry we're gonna teach you and then the second day, they asked me to build uh, actual models of buildings, you know, <laughs> out of foam. And um, in Germany, it's the first time I saw all the gear to cut the foam and build models. So I was really, really bad. And uh, <laughs> and then after two days, I thought, okay, it at least was fun. I saw how an architectural firm <laughs> looks like. I... I, I made a couple of mono, uh, models. I fucked up big time. It was fun. <laughs> exactly. uh, so it, it was exactly the same. Exactly. So you, you did this uh, one week no sleep and did you calm down afterwards? What happened? Yeah, I calmed down a little bit. I uh, I have to be honest. I had really great um, uh, colleagues and um, everybody was really helpful. Um, I had two tutors there and uh, especially one... Uh, that was Italian. He was Italian, so he is Italian. So um, I was uh, <clears throat> asking especially to him. And I was being so annoying. I decided to sit close to him. And I was asking questions every three seconds. 
literally. Like, I don't know, I was going on on hundreds of questions during all the day. Um, so I started sleeping again because I started learning and, um, and I was working for them um, for seven months. And, um, I feel that it was probably um, one of the most, um, uh, important working experiences for me, uh, because I learned so much and also because of the people that I had the chance to meet there. How how long did you stay there? Sorry, seven months. Seven months, and you learn and you had experience, and after that, what what happened? So after that, what happened is that uh, the only thing I wasn't really happy about um, was that basically um, I wasn't uh, in charge only of interiors. Uh, so I couldn't work on the exteriors, and I couldn't work on post production, which was. A little bit of a limit for me. I really wanted to to create an image from the beginning to the end. Um, so, just sorry to interrupt you, but uh, you were modeling basically. I was basically modeling, uh, creating the um, the design of the interiors, uh, arriving until the rendering part, and then giving the render to someone for for the post production. Okay, just to to give an overview, how um how is generally the um, can you explain how is generally the process of making uh, how does it look like the the process of making a, an image or a project in in your field? Like you get uh, an assignment from your boss, which he got from a client, I guess, yeah. and then how is the how is organized the work? So as far as I've seen in uh, the three companies where I worked, um, basically uh, we we receive the project. Most of the time we receive uh, a model from the client as well. And uh, the first thing that we always do is uh, starting uh, experimenting, testing lightings, uh, testing modes, uh, cameras. And um, we create many different uh, camera drafts. Uh, which are basically sketches. They they need to communicate to the client just the feeling of the of the final image. Um, when you send this this draft to the client, then the client has to reply uh, telling you which one is the one that he, he basically prefers. And uh, and that's the, the the moment that you start detailing the the model, adding. Uh, design um, elements um, I would say that as a 3d artist uh, you have the chance to 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 um, give a, an important uh, um, to have an important impact on the design process as well um, and then you there is the the important thing is to have always a, a really good relation like a really good communication with the client so that everything is more or less clear um and the process can go on smoothly uh, until and, the final image and can you do you have uh, an influence on the clients because um also you know i've work i work on the other side of your job let's say i am the architect that it's your client usually and I've experienced um, very often that um, my my bosses were they had a general idea how they wanted the image but maybe that wasn't the best um, way to represent that project or the best 
um, yeah, the best perspectives, the best views. Mm, do you need to communicate a lot with them to convince them maybe to change something? Or usually when you work in these companies which are leaders in the field, you say, okay, who comes to you, he know, they know that you are the, the best in the league. Yeah, I would say that it really depends on the client. So sometimes I had the chance to work with some clients that uh, just said, okay, just have fun, uh, do more or less whatever you want. And um, and that was the case that we, we produced really different images, you know, um, not really common. Uh, some, this happens sometimes. Uh, most of the time, the the, the client has um, uh, clear in mind what he wants, and sometimes it happens. Unfortunately, that is not really uh, what we would suggest. Yeah, uh, the, it's not happening very often. Also, as an architect, that your client comes and like say, design what you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always just like make it boxy. So I'm sure that you can build it very cheaply and quickly. And, yeah, I would um, say that in three years, it happened to me like two or three times to have the chance to do an image like uh, like I wanted and to have really a lot of fun with it, testing and experimenting. To me, it happened, I think, once that once <laughs> it makes something cool. Um, and so you, you, you weren't happy to have this limit on your, uh, let's say, tasks and skill you were developing. And so how did you move further on from uh, EV, EV images or EVE images? What is EVE. pronounced? EVE images. EVE. Yeah. Uh, what happened is that um, I started looking for another job and uh, I didn't have in my mind to stay in Budapest, actually. So I started looking around and um, and then uh, I, I've seen that Brick Visual was looking for someone. And um, it was quite quite weird because Brick Visual was basically uh, the office is more or less 100 meters from the office of Eve Images in Budapest. And for so the I, people who don't know, Brick Visual is also one of the leaders in the 3D archivist business. Yeah. It's like, if you want, you can check their website or the Instagram feed and you will see some images which look extremely realistic, but the, those are not real pictures. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so how, yeah, was, it, how was the reaction of your boss when he saw you working <laughs> in the uh, 300 meters away from him? Oh my God. It was like um, basically we could look at each other from the balcony. And I think that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we I, told her everything. <laughs> we were kind to her. She, she asked us 100,000 of questions and now she left. Yeah, some, something like that. No, no, they were they were really nice because um, I I kept a really good relationship with them, and I actually uh, kept going out with them uh, after um, after work or uh, kept meeting them. Um, I would say that um, the team from Eve Images like they became friends for me. So all the for all the two years that I spent in Budapest, I I kept seeing them. Were they um, were they from from Budapest or were they from where it was a very international office? 
It was international. I would say a couple of them were from uh, Hungary and um, all the other people were from other places like uh, uh, Romania, Italy, um, Bulgaria, uh, even Belarusia. Okay. Um, I know after me there there were some South American people as well. So yeah, it was really international. I think I don't know why there is uh, in general an archivist there is this very very uh, high presence of Eastern Europeans because um, also I I think I have said that in another podcast with uh, Federico Bianculo I was talking to that um, V-Ray the company it's a company that uh, it's a render engine um, it's a Bulgarian company. So a lot of people in Bulgaria get educated in 3D modeling and visualization. And so it's like an industry there. So I think um, this is a factor too. Yeah. And um, But was it, for example, because I work also in a very international um, company and I noticed that sometimes um, it's, cool, it's very cool to work in a very international um, be, in environment. But sometimes you need also to start understanding the different cultures because sometimes that that is what leads to misunderstandings. Maybe mm, did you have any experience like this with your international colleagues? Um, I would say that I was quite lucky about it. So we we didn't really have any any problem, especially I think in Eve because. Mm, we mm, we were spending so much time together. Imagine at the beginning we were just four people, and uh, plus plus our tutors, and um, all of us uh, just moved to Budapest, so we didn't know anybody. And we were because all of us were really uh, anxious. We were staying at work until really late, and uh, after work we were going for dinner together. So basically we were spending. I would say 18 hours together every day. So like and a family, like yeah, a new family. I have a really nice memory. It was uh, more or less after three or four months being in Budapest, I came back to Rome to visit my family. And uh, when I was going back to Budapest uh, on Sunday, uh, one of them texted me and uh, and said, uh, hey, we are, we are organizing a dinner tonight because we, we know you're coming back uh, quite late. So you're probably not going to have um, something at home to eat or whatever. So just come to, to, to our place and uh, we can eat together. And I just like text to my parents and said, oh, my God, I have a little small, like a small family in, uh, in Budapest because that was the feeling. I think that among expats, it happens often because for me it happened with my, I came in Frankfurt as Erasmus student and then I managed to stay. But I remember that um, we were a group of students from the University of Rome, which came here. And um, after a while, we became, we became like our family, like our ex expat family, because you don't have a lot of people to rely on when you're abroad. So you need to rely on each other. And it's uh, it makes this it creates this connection between people, which uh, no matter how now we don't text on a daily basis or something like this, but every time we see each other, we talk to each other. It's very nice because you have these uh, very strong uh, memories about the, the yeah. time. Yeah, and uh, 
to to go a little um also a part of the work and the creative side of the whole thing when because you have been in uh the UK you've been in Amsterdam you've been in uh Hungary and uh you are Italian um did you have any culture shock when you moved in these different countries something that you noticed from the locals or from 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 the environment there which was a little surprising for you you needed to get used to because um i've also a lot i've i've done also a whole podcast about moving abroad because it looks so exciting when you talk about it but there are also this downside that you need to get used to new cultures uh, yeah. new behavior so was it something shocking for you in in your experience uh i would say that uh okay for example when i went to amsterdam i i think everything for me was just great uh i had the feeling that everybody was really friendly uh maybe because all of them were speaking english so i could communicate with them uh i felt like um i knew it wasn't going to be the place for me for a long time uh but but i felt a little bit home um i would say that the shocking the shock i i really had it when when i arrived to budapest um probably because i don't know in when when i was looking for a job i wasn't uh, um i i was looking in uh, in uk i was looking in italy a little bit in um switzerland because i had this idea of moving to switzerland um i never looked for a job in uh, in budapest so it, it wasn't in my plan and um it happened for uh, for as a coincidence just because this company from berlin was looking for uh, for was opening a new office uh so i never considered the idea of moving to budapest and uh, when i arrived there i remember this like if it was yesterday i went to my parents came with me so we we left uh, rome by car uh with all my my things clothes everything even with my bicycle coming from cambridge with me and uh we arrived to budapest after 14 hours driving we went to a bed and breakfast and um and they told me okay just uh, just go to the supermarket to buy some plastic plates so we can have dinner i went to this supermarket and i couldn't find them so i was like okay i'm just going to ask uh i went to i found a girl to to ask and i said sorry where where can i find the plastic plates and she looked at me like in a really bad way because she couldn't understand me and that's where i realized that i was in a place where they were speaking a totally different language and uh, many people can't really speak english so um, it's like the same in italy in italy is is not so common that people can speak english uh so so i was like i took my phone and i was look ch- trying to look on internet for an image of uh, of plastic plate and i couldn't because internet was not working so i remember that i arrived home without plates i sat down in the kitchen of this bed and breakfast and i just started crying saying that oh my god i don't want to be here i want to go back home um this is terrible i'm not going to able to talk to people and uh, i i would say that that was the biggest shock i had and i think as italian italian lo- italians love to talk to each other and talk to people so <laughs> that's also something that's <laughs> probably have been sad for you um yeah. <laughs> yeah i've i think for me it was i did i couldn't say where i live 
because um, uh, when I arrive in Frankfurt, uh, my I, uh, first of all I haven't. Uh, very, it was very hard for me to remember the names of of the things because it's a totally different language. So you, you when you speak English, and you can kind of connect some words to Italian, but yeah. in German I lived in a uh, on a bus stop which is called. Um, Frauensfriedenskirche, which in another language <laughs> means like a female friendly church, but they joined the words all together. So um, I couldn't say where I live. They asked me, Where do you live? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I know where it is, but I don't know how it's called. I spent. Uh, oh, sorry. Yes? No, it's, it's, that, this is fun because it reminds me that I've had exactly the same experience. <laughs> I spent like one year that when I was needing to take a taxi coming back from the airport or whatever I needed to show the, the address on the phone because the, my address was Wojcicilinski <laughs> Utsa okay then even harder but um, and again back to the now to the money aspect when you got a real deal job like now not, not anymore an internship but a job um, and especially in Budapest where the money good enough to, to live there on your own or um, for example what I also was thinking that if you if you work in a Eastern European country do you do and do they pay you enough as you were living in a, I don't know in Germany or or it was lower or I don't want to um, know an exact numbers just something that explains the general situation in general I feel like uh, okay when I arrived to Budapest um, I had this yeah this uh, few months learning so my pay was really low and uh, I'll tell you what I was like the amount of salary that I was getting was exactly the same amount of money that I was uh, spending for my rent. So my family was definitely helping me. On the other side, um, Budapest is quite cheap compared to Italy. Uh, not as I was expecting, I was expecting even cheaper, but, but it's still like the rent, for example, is definitely cheaper than Italy. Um, so I had these first three months where it was uh, I, I couldn't have done anything without my family support. But after that, uh, my salary uh, was increased, and um, I'm not really sure that the salary in Budapest was exactly the same of Berlin. But I would say that it was quite similar. Uh, but it was definitely um, enough to support myself, um, especially after when I went to Brick Visual. Um, and um, and I got promoted as a senior. Then um, then I was totally fine. So my only problem with the salary was that when I was in Budapest, I had the chance to to have a really good quality of life. I was living in a really nice apartment in the city center, going out, doing my things. You know, the problem was when when I was going abroad, and that's where where I was feeling it. Um, for example, once we went to with with these colleagues from Eve, we went to Iceland, and um, basically we we ended up eating sandwiches for four days because Iceland was so expensive, and with our uh, Hungarian salary, it was not really easy to 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 make it. But I think that Iceland is in general very expensive for yeah. people even coming from Germany. Because, for example, I, 
I live in Frankfurt, which is the second most expensive country in Germany. And so for me, it's the opposite. Like um, wherever I go, I mean, there are not a lot of places where I go and I say, oh my God, here is, uh, it's so expensive. But I remember we had this thing when I came here, I came from Italy mm-hmm. and um, from Rome too. And um, there were people coming from Denmark. So it was so funny because I was saying, damn, here you pay three euro a cappuccino. And they were like, well, damn, here is so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this uh, South uh, Europe and Northern Europe, which were clashing in the middle. And But I remember, for example, when I went, I went to London a couple of years ago, it was... Uh, some months after Brexit, I mean, they said they're going to do the Brexit and um, the the pound was really low. And when you when we were drinking somewhere outside in during a happy hour, I remember it was even cheaper than Frankfurt. And I was thinking, wow, and the amount of money I had prepared for my holiday um, were over overrated totally because I have prepared some amount of money and I came back home and I was like, okay, I didn't spend anything that I was that's nice (laughs) yeah so that's why I'm asking because I always think okay it would be cool to work um, in such a firm um, but as it are they located I think this is also something that makes those firms so competitive because in Hungary they don't pay you that much so on an international market they can be more um, competitive yeah, and also um, that's true, but as far as I've seen, um, for example, talking about the price of the images, I haven't seen a big difference from the prices that they have in Budapest compared to the prices that we have, for example, in London. So for them, it's really good because uh, I was just talking to my my boss a few months ago about this topic. And uh, for a company in um, in UK, uh, considering that salaries here are much higher, uh, it's 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 quite quite tricky to uh, yeah to compete with um, with these companies from Eastern European, for example, that have really lower salaries and uh, and they're still having a, a a high price, maybe just a little bit lower, but. If you see at the end, they are earning more because they are paying less. So, but I think that um, that I'm I'm very scared of this whole uh, Corona pandemic because I think that when companies uh, will underst- are getting more and more to understand that actually you can work um, f- do a home office. Um, I'm afraid that it's going to happen that the salary market will will crash because more company will be like um, a lot of company will get smart and will hire people somewhere where they can pay them less doing work for some countries where it's more expensive and then this will create a chain reaction where you know more the other company to stay in the market they will need to pay lower salaries to offer lower prices and um, I hope that won't happen but I think it might be a, it, something yeah. that that will happen in the future. It and may be. So when you, you move to, to Brick, where you become senior um, visualizer, and um, you had different tasks, I guess, where, where, what were you doing there, more post-production? 
Uh, no, basically in Brick it works uh, differently. So uh, they, they, you have the chance to create your image from the beginning to the end. So you get uh, an image from a project and um, you start with camera draft. Uh, and from that moment, the image is yours, unless obviously uh, there is some emergencies or maybe you're not in the office and then they need to pass it to someone else. Um, that was the first time for me that I, I approached uh, exterior images. So Brick was again uh, starting more or less from the scratch. Um, also because in, uh, in EVE, we were using Corona as a um, render engine. engine, engine. But in Brick, they were using V-Ray. Uh, so I arrived there and I started again learning and making a lot of questions. And um, But, I mean, Brick has so many um, employees. So the nice thing is that you, you, you meet so many people and um, basically everybody is uh, more skilled about something. You know, so you always know that like, you always have the chance to ask to someone who, who knows something more than you. And that's, uh, that's a really good feeling because you can grow together and you can keep learning um, from, from each other. Uh, so I grew faster and, um, and, uh, and a lot. And after um, one year that I was there, I was promoted as a senior so you, how long did you stay at Brick uh, Visuals? Uh, one year and a half. So oh. basically, yeah, after, um, um, during summer, I, I decided that uh, it was two years that I was in Budapest. And um, I, at one point I realized that uh, apart from, from um, obviously investing on my job, I also wanted to, to invest a little bit more on my private life. And I felt that Budapest was not really the place where I wanted to stay for, uh, for, for a long time. Uh, so I decided that I, it was time for me to, to move. And, uh, and I, since I came, since I went to Cambridge, I always had UK in my, in my heart. So um, I applied uh, for, uh, for some companies here in London. And, uh, and in June uh, 2019, um, I was, was invited for, a, for an interview with Pixel Flakes. They were so cool because they invited me to London. They paid the flight for me. They paid the, the hotel for me. They, they booked a, like a five-star hotel, super cool in Shoreditch. And um, and they took me for lunch, and basically I came to London to 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 meet there, and we were just having a you know a, a really nice friendly chat. Uh, I definitely fell in love with the environment and with the people, and uh, as soon as I came I came back to Budapest, and they sent me the offer. I said, yeah, sure, coming, and uh, so I packed everything, and I went back to to Rome for. Uh, one month more or less, maybe a little bit less, and um, I I had the chance to to go to the to the mountains for two weeks to to do some mountain bike, which was quite cool. Even if I was scared of I don't know breaking some leg before starting the new job, but then in September I I was okay and I came to London. So you moved to London after they had announced uh, Brexit, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, you can um, take 
tell the people from Pixel Flakes that I think their name is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, do. <laughs> And um, so you you moved again to to another country, back to London. And how, um, a part of professionally, I think that after a few years' experience, now you haven't had so many challenges. I guess I mean you needed just to fit in in the new working environment and set up. Uh, or did you have other challenges again that you needed to overcome when you moved to? No, basically when I moved to London. Um, I like to say that everything was easy, strangely, because probably after being in Budapest, where I needed to to deal with the language, so with all the um, bureaucracy, for example, in another language, or for example, just to make an example, I'm receiving an email from Hungary, um, which is about the, the taxes they send you every year, the um, resume, let's say. I can't understand anything. So... Like, um, and every time was like that, you know, when I arrived to London, it was the opposite because I arrived here, I could speak English, people were uh, able to communicate with me as well. So everything was really easy. Um, I was lucky enough to find a bedroom in a shared flat from when I was still in Rome in a really particular uh, area of, uh, of London. Maybe I'll, 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 I can tell you about it later. And um, and uh, in Pixel Flakes, everybody was really helpful. Um, they 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 basically they put me to work on a project immediately. Uh, I had some dif- some. It was a little bit difficult to to get used to the new library, to um, the new workflow, because they they really work um, heavily with Photoshop, which is something that I really like, but I wasn't used to. Um, so I needed a bit of time to get, uh, to, to get used to the new environment as well. Uh, but I got, I, I was helped because around I had just really like, uh, nice people. I, I always could just ask and they, they were open to help. I want to, I want to resume some terms for the audience, which is not into the, into the field of uh, archives or architecture. Um, when when you talked about external images, that means uh, images of buildings which are from the outside, so not interior, interior, like not in a room. And then uh, a render engine, it's um, a program, an add-on to the three D. Uh, program which creates uh, the lights and the materials because to make a picture you need light and material and um, post-production is when an image comes out of this render engine who produced the image you add some details or you tweak it even more on Photoshop so this is how it generally works um, in so that um, people people which are listening and they don't know much about it they can uh, learn but to to resume to to get into this field, um, so how how much you you basically learned the most of it by yourself and then by working, right? So you needed just to hustle a little bit in the beginning, get this a little underpaid jobs, which uh, but gave you the time to practice. And this is you didn't do like your first class was something very introductive and basic um, which you don't use anymore because you use other softwares from what I understood 
Yes, exactly. I would say that most of my experience was uh, is due to the um, the the work environment. So most of the things that I know today, I learned them just doing them actually. So facing the problems uh, every day um, and uh, having to deal with them. So I think I think the first part um, when you were underpaid, it's a good um, a good investment. Um, in te- in in term of time and money, because you you're not maybe earning money, you're losing some money because I mean you need the support of your family to survive, let's say. But um, yeah, it's um, it's something that you invest on yourself, and then now you're basically a complete 3D artist. Yeah, and that's that's what I what I thought at the beginning um, was exactly that. Like, uh, okay, instead of paying money to to for example have a master or a, a course or i have the chance to to work and to learn working with them um okay the pay is not gonna be it's not gonna be enough to 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 support myself um but on the other side if it wasn't like that maybe i should have i i would have ended up having paying for a course so um, in this way, at least I also had the chance to live on my own, to which is probably one of the biggest challenge actually of the um, that I faced in the in during the last few years. Um, so to to look after myself, you know, in a different country and um, and the same time working, so being satisfied about the work and learning. Yeah, I think uh, I think this transition um, from living with your parents and living alone—it's a big deal in in general in life. Um, in my in my case, it happened in a very particular way because um, I'm originally from Bulgaria, mm-hmm. and um, my my mom needed to go back to work uh, in Bulgaria when I was um, I don't remember how old I was. I think I was starting high school um, and my dad he's a truck driver so he he travels a lot so I kind of had a very tra- uh, my transition was started very in a very early age so when I actually moved alone it wasn't a big uh, big change uh, for for me because I uh, but I, I I saw a lot of people which were for the first time out of home and they some of them went crazy because it was the first time they were in control, you know. So they started partying every night, going out every night. Um, so I think that uh, it's um, it's a very particular moment in everyone's life. Um, but the overview I wanted to give the audience is that also you have to you you have been also um, lucky because your family wanted to support you and had the opportunity so to support you because. Um, when you, if you don't have that chance, you need to be aware of that. So don't go to, don't go to Budapest because you, or you maybe will need to, to hustle a little bit, maybe work two jobs or maybe we'll live in a smaller flat or share a flat. Um, that's, that's the, um, that's what I aim to, to, to learn from, from my guests is to learn what is the process behind, how it looks like, what is the overview, so that if somebody wants to, because there are a lot of people who will listen and they will be super, um, I, I get that from also past episodes, people are like, oh, this episode was so cool because I always wanted to do 
I don't know, archivists. And by hearing that story, I am now super pumped up and super <laughs> inspired. Um, and I think that um, we we go through these topics just to explain what are the benefits and what are the, the downsides of every aspect. Definitely. But, when I, when I uh, started, when I decided to go abroad, I was really scared because I didn't know anything and uh, it would have been so nice to actually have a podcast like this to, to hear experiences from other people. Uh, so, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's the point to 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 have these stories, which are because um, there are so many people who underestimate their own story. I hear often from also guests that says, "Oh, why you want to talk to me? I'm I'm not that special." I'm like, "You think you're not special because it's your own story, but if somebody else listened to your story, they'll be like, oh my god, that sounds so cool and so <laughs> crazy.'" And I think also your story so far is so. So cool because um, you have been hustled a lot also while studying architecture and photography. In architecture, in, in Rome, it's a very, very harsh faculty to study at. Um, and it's, it's, um, I think it's very interesting. But let's move to, to the actual subject which uh, made me um, very curious about your story, which is your book. Yes. Uh, when was released your book? It was one week ago. Yeah, I'm really yeah. excited about it. <laughs> so the book is in Italian, right? Yes, I have this uh, this idea of uh, translating it also because like uh, my boyf- my boyfriend who is uh, English is asking me every day, when are you going to translate it? Because I want to read it. <laughs> so I will have to do it. Uh, yeah. For for now, it's in Italian, and it was published by an editor here in Italy. What is the name of the editor? Let's make some commercial for, for yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> the name is uh, Sama Edizioni. And the title and the title of the book is uh, Quarantena, Quarantena, which is which is the um, Italian name for quarantine for lockdown. Exactly. Yeah. And mm, tell me, huh, what is the book about? What is the the core idea? So the what happened is that. Um, the lockdown started. As I told you before, I was uh, I'm living in a shared uh, flat with uh, it's a it's a house, and uh, we we were four people at the beginning of the lockdown. We live in a really nice particular area of London, as I told uh, as I told you, because we are in the Jewish district. So basically, we are in um all around there are these these. Um, have you have you have you seen the the Netflix series which is called Unorthodox? Uh, no, I haven't. But in which in which part of London is that? Is it central or is it? It's uh, it's uh, North London, and the the area is called Stamford Hill. Uh, and uh, basically, they they dress in a really really um, uh, unique way. Uh, when I arrived to London, I um, I called my parents. It was a Saturday, and I told them, "Oh my God, there is a festival here because people are wearing like super nice costumes. They they look like from another age." And then just on Monday, I realized that actually that's their way of dressing because uh, they wear like uh, really big black hats and uh, black clothes, and um, they, they they have their own community with their own rules. So basically. I'm living there. We were four people at the beginning of the lockdown, and uh, suddenly it was just me. 
in uh, like in alone because my like two of my flatmates left they they decided to spend the um, the lockdown with their families and uh, the third one was he is working for a pharmacy in a pharmacy so he was never at home he kept work, going to work every day uh, so I realized that uh, I was going to spend a few months at home totally alone uh, in another country with my parents getting crazy from Italy telling me every two seconds to to go to Rome because the the, the apocalypse was coming and um, and I I was like okay I really need to to find something to to not get crazy um, and I decided to 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 start to do some images that um, could tell something about my 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 quarantine. So every day I was doing an image, and um, and I was putting myself into the images. And then um, after f- few days that I was doing this, I I decided that I wanted to write down what I was feeling, because I had this idea that uh, the lockdown changed. Change my priorities a lot. Uh, it made me think uh, about many, many, many things, and um, made me realize that something that I thought it was really important maybe wasn't that important uh, anymore, and uh, and the opposite also that something that I wasn't considering too much was actually becoming more important, and um, and I realized that I didn't want to forget these things because you know when we pass through really dramatic or important moments we we used to stop and to think and to make considerations but when everything goes back to normality most of the time we just forget and uh, we go back to to our normal normal routine and I didn't want that because I felt that something was going to to happen in uh, in my life after this lockdown so I started writing a diary and um, and uh, every day I was just uh, writing down what I was doing and uh, my feelings and what was happening. And um, and then I, w- I started writing down, for example, my dreams. Uh, if I was dreaming something that was scaring me or or or, or whatever, so um, the diary came started to to come out and. Um, at one point, when uh, when the lockdown ended, um, I read all of it again, and uh, and I was like, okay, maybe maybe it could be interesting also for other people to read it. So, I I contact this uh, this editor, and um, and I was so lucky that she said, I really like it. I want to publish it. So because it was related to the quarantine, we didn't want to waste too much time. So we, from, from the time that we got, we got in touch to the moment where it was published, it passed more or less uh, one month maximum. And uh, so it was really fast and uh, a little bit shocking, but super exciting. I think the story is very interesting, but um, what what were you feeling during the quarantine? What uh, when you re re reread your notes, your um, diary? Um, what did you feel during the quarantine? Because um, I think that uh, the human being is a very adaptive uh, person um, being, actually, and um, it's uh, for example, I think that we are so 
we I think the moment because for example in Germany we never had a lockdown but I was more connected to the Italian situation because my family is there and um, they were in full lockdown and uh, you know I enforced some myself like some lockdown on me and uh, just being three days in home without leaving the home was so hard and um, what were you feeling what did you feel in general yeah basically um, first of all I had the feeling of leaving the things twice because um, I'll tell you uh, this little small story when um, when the, the virus started to be to hit really strongly Italy uh, my parents uh, started to be really worried about me and they were calling me and telling me, Vale, the, the situation is really bad. Uh, you need to be careful. Uh, buy masks, buy hand sanitizer, wash your hands continuously. And I remember I was telling them, you are too, you are exaggerating. Uh, in, uh, in, in London, we don't have the virus. It, everything is fine. I was even getting angry at them because they were scaring me somehow. And there was one um, one day that my dad told me, okay, now you have to do the super to to go to the supermarket and uh, do shopping, buy a uh, lot of food and uh, put it away and just keep it there because because uh, the, the the virus is arriving there and it's gonna be really bad and you're not gonna be able to go to the supermarket anymore. And I was angry on one side because I thought that that was too much, but on the other side, luckily I listened to him. Because, like, after one week, uh, everything happened in, in London again uh, as well. I remember that at the, be at the beginning I was feeling um, this uh, um, really bad feeling on my stomach when I was going to the supermarket and seeing that um, the, the shelves were empty. And uh, everything was a little bit messy and uh, people were uh, rushing and running around to, to, to buy everything before the other ones. And, um, and it was like a little bit like being in one of those movies that, about apocalypse, you know. Um, when the lockdown started, I was already in, uh, in, uh, in lockdown by myself because, uh, because I started working from home. And uh, since then, I, I didn't go out. Um, and the feeling was that at the beginning was, uh, I wasn't really realizing what was happening because, you know, you are just staying inside. You are not going out at all. You are not even going out of the door. So outside is sunny is uh, it's coming, it's coming spring. Uh, it's super beautiful. And, uh, you are inside and you, you think, okay, everything is fine. Everything is beautiful. The sun is shining. Uh, but then when a uh, few times it happened to me to go to, um, to some shop to buy, I don't know, milk or some fresh um, fruit, I was realizing that actually the situation was really bad. And uh, I was scared about the virus. I was uh, scared about my family being far away from each other for so long. Uh, I was more scared about them uh, getting the virus than myself. Um, and I was scared about the future. Basically, I would say that the, the most important feeling that I had during the lockdown was that uh, I was really scared about the future. Uh, I had the feeling that my life was, uh, was suddenly paused. Um, and uh, I, I didn't know how to go back to, 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 to normality. 
I I had the feeling that it's like it, it was posing at the end of February, beginning of March. And uh, when we arrived to May, I still had this feeling that these months, they, they, they passed, but I didn't realize that they actually passed. I, um, I wrote something in the book. Um, I had my 30th birthday during the quarantine. And I basically, I wrote, uh, I have the feeling that I'm not really turning 30. So I'm going to be so lucky that I'm going to be 29 for another year because uh, I feel that this is not happening. So I felt that I was in a kind of, kind of, in a bowl, in a bubble, and um, and things were just happening around, but I wasn't really realizing them. I, I think that the whole the whole world felt that way, but um, I noticed something different because in my case, um, um, for example, I, I was one of those uh, people that in the beginning uh, just. Um, wasn't scared at all did i wasn't scared uh, at all um at at, at the, the virus um and uh, my family wasn't scared either and i think my family they have lived the um, transition of uh, communism to 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 democracy and uh, in that time it was uh, very crazy because um, they have lived some moments like uh, this one in which there was no food, there was, uh, I don't know, uh, electricity wasn't working constantly because, you know, it was a country was which was failing, was in, uh, in bankruptcy. So they were way more calm about the situation. They were like, oh, whatever, we, we, we've seen something like this in the past. So... Um, I think that one of the factors that made it feel so much worse is that our generation, we have never experienced some something very bad where you're not in yeah. control and where you don't need to. And um, I think that nowadays we have this uh, unlimited access to information where you, you could go all day long reading information about the virus inform yourself and uh, and also the media will push uh, always news about one very young person that was super healthy but he died because of the virus and and you get more scared more scared and 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 it was a very and in the same time as you said you look out and it, maybe it's a sunny day and nobody is not yes. it's there are no explosion there is no death around uh, and here in germany there was even no lockdown we could um go out jog walk so it was a very weird thing and now that uh, the 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 worst looks to be passed for now i think people are just back to how they were before and it's that's it feels like the uh, the war went in a pause for a couple yeah. of months, and yeah. um, now we're living again. Um, and these uh, images you you did they are reflecting the emotions you have were writing in your diary, right? Yes. Um, so in the book, uh, some images are um, are um, just showing me. Um, doing things but in a 
let's say, more fantastic way. Uh, I decided, for example, during the lockdown, at one point I needed to keep my mind a little bit busy, uh, apart from working. So I decided to tame a squirrel. Because, you know, in London we have a lot of squirrels. And uh, because I live in, in a house uh, around, uh, the, there are squirrels coming to, to the garden to look for food. So one morning I was like, okay, I really want to tame one of them. <laughs> so I started giving, um, putting some nuts outside for, uh, for them every evening. Obviously, I couldn't really tame a squirrel, but uh, but there is one image in my in my my book where uh, where this squirrel was tamed because um, because of my nuts. So uh, some images are uh, this kind of uh, of pictures, let's say, and uh, there are some other images that are um, showing, yeah, as I said before, like some dreams that I had. Um, there are some pictures as well like photography of uh, places where I've been because uh, at the end of the lockdown I got a bicycle and I started cycling around and uh, discovering that London has forest inside the city um, so seeing so many places just cycling and uh, yeah so there are some some photos as well and um, how many pictures are in total your book Oh, you know that uh, uh, around. I'm not really sure. I think there are around uh, 20 images, maybe, uh, including uh, pictures and images. I would say. And 20 stories. Um, not stories. It's more like um, uh, showing moments of the quarantine of my quarantine. Um, so basically the book uh, covers uh, two months of lockdown where I was writing almost every day. And uh, in some particular cases, I was uh, adding images. And um, how, how did it work, the actual making of the book? Because uh, clearly you have a very uh, good uh, knowledge about, um, let's say, graphics. So did you uh, took part in the um, putting together the book actually and yeah. from the graphical side too? It it was really nice because actually I didn't have any idea of how to to present a book to an editor, how to arrive to the to the final phase. So uh, what uh, what I sent them was uh, both a, a word file, so just the text. And then, uh, because I knew how to work in InDesign, um, when I was when I was uh, working as a journalist, I was also in charge of the of the um, design part of the magazine. So I I learned how to use InDesign at that time, and it came back because uh, apart from sending them the text, I decided to to send them also a PDF with the um, uh, the layout that I was thinking for my book. For example, the book is uh, has a square format, which is quite quite um, unique, I would say, for a for a textbook. Uh, but it was related. It, it was because of the images. So I needed to have a square um, layout. So I sent them also the, the the PDF, and when they when they worked on the final layout, they basically they followed the the one that I that I chose at the beginning. Uh, okay, and um, how 
how did you find a, a publisher and how did you did you have some um people that you were still in touch from your journalist years or no uh, that's a, a really nice um coincidence so basically uh when i was at uh, primary school i was in naples naples and um and i had a teacher that was really um, she she really liked me uh so we kept in touch for uh, years and years uh she, she moved to rome after a few years uh, like i stayed in naples for uh, four or five years i moved to rome with my parents when i was seven years old and she moved uh, to rome immediately after and uh, so because she was in rome we kept being in touch and uh, what happened is that like she she few years ago she became a, a writer so she she is actually writing books and uh, and she she found this uh, this editor and uh, when i finished my book i i got in touch with her and i was i was like uh, hey could you give me some advices how to to get in touch with an editor or uh, you know how to 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 do if you want to try to publish your book and she told me yeah definitely why don't you talk to my editor um, maybe they they could be interested and uh, so she she gave me the details and then i i got in touch with uh, with them and yeah that's how this happened and did you need to do a contract with them or yes. um so you yes. have a contract how how does a contract with an editor looks like uh do you get a percentage per sold copy or yes you get um um so basically when they they print the copies so that is something that happened a few days ago uh they give you five copies uh that you are free to 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 give as a gift to to people so obviously like my parents and my relatives took all of them and um and then um you can uh, either buy from them some copies that you want to to sell or otherwise they they um, they sell them through their 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 website and uh, in september uh, the book is going to be also in uh, on the website of filtrinelli mondadori which are uh, a famous um bookstore here in um, in uh, in italy and uh, when they sell uh, when they sell copies you you get a percentage which is the 8% so yeah it's not that much but uh, not at the moment like at the end of the year they they um, they see how how it went and then they give you what 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 uh, what is. they earned like 8% yeah. of of the um, but the books you can buy on your own you buy them on full price or you buy them for a little lower money or mm, no the ones that i buy uh i buy them for uh for, with a really good discount so basically half of the price okay so you can basically resell part like some but do you have a limited amount of books you can buy with discount or no 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 i don't so whenever i want um now or next year or uh, in the years after like uh, i can just uh, decide to buy more copies with this discount okay and do you know how 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 do they decide how many um copies to print in the beginning or they just print a definite amount of copies and then 
when they sell them, they print more. Uh, I would it say works. I I'm not really sure about uh, the um, the number that they printed. Um, I'm actually I I actually arrived to to Rome yesterday and I'm meeting them in the week to to take my copies and to to see how it's going. Um, but I'm sure that they printed because they sent me pictures as soon as they got the copies, and uh, I'm sure they printed a limited amount. And then uh, as soon as they get um, um, orders from 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 their website, then they're gonna print more. And do you know if the book's gonna be available on Amazon too, or you don't the, know about it? No, I know that's something they're working on because they still haven't um, had a contract with Amazon, but they they are working on it because I mean now is uh, is probably the biggest um, website uh, to buy, so they they are trying to to make a contract with uh, with Amazon as well. So maybe in the future, hopefully, it's gonna be available there as well. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna add on the description of this uh, podcast um, a link for the website where people can currently buy the book. And um, I wanted to ask you because uh, the, there will be also a big Italian audience. Um, what what is about to cost the book for? Uh, the book is fourteen uh, euro. Okay, it's fourteen euro. So I would suggest to the people they can see the cover, the cover image on on your accounts, yeah. and they can see also, I guess, also on the website you're gonna we're gonna share. So yeah. people, you've heard um, how much uh, work it's behind a book, the whole the whole part of Valentina uh, from the early years as a young photographer, reporter, uh, hustling around Europe, investing on herself, being brave in living in a country where she couldn't pronounce the the name of, uh, of her street and talk to people. Uh, so yeah, I think it's always um, incredible because nowadays we buy a lot of things. Uh, we consume a lot, but we don't know who are the people behind behind that products and behind that story. And I always say that creatives are a little underestimated because um, every creative I talk to, you can hear what they do, it's their passion. And a lot of people consider those passions could be a hobby so they don't see the value, uh, yeah. the economical value. But I want always to share uh, the story of the person behind to see how much work it's behind this one product or behind this one piece of art. Um, I think there is a, um, a way of saying that every overnight success is a result of 10 years of hard work. <laughs> That's definitely true. <laughs> so um, I'm, very, I'm very glad you accepted my invitation. I think you were definitely one of the most excited guests I had to interview <laughs> <laughs> in the preparation of the podcast, which I'm very glad. Um, before we, we salute each other, I wanted to give you a little time to tell people where they can find you on uh, social media and uh, what is the website uh, they will find your book. 
Yeah, thank you. So people can find me on uh, Instagram as uh, Stories of V or uh, as Valentina Baruffo on uh, other social media like LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, and uh, they can find my book on the website of the editor, which is Sama Edizioni. Okay. And uh, I, I also would like to, to say if anybody is interested in, uh, in reading it and uh, patient, um, I would be really, really happy to receive some feedbacks about uh, and to maybe have a chat. So, yeah, don't hesitate if you buy the book, then to get in touch and tell me what you think about it. Great. I suggest you also to, to buy the book just to support another amazing um, young artist uh, and um, to have some time to read a different perspective and thoughts about the quarantine. And um, last but not least, I always tell in the end of the episode, people, you get this podcast for free. So it would be very kind of you if you could support it just by uh, taking yourself two minutes to go on Instagram and type in at TCI Podcast, press follow, um, go on LinkedIn or Facebook and find the pages The Creative Insider. Or if you're listening on Spotify, podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, just subscribe. And if you like it, share with your friends so that um, the platform gets bigger and the guests who comes can get a louder voice and uh, more people will be heard. So thank you, Valentina. Thank you. And um, I'll see you soon when you have the book in English so we can tell the <laughs> international audience where to buy it. Okay, will do. <laughs> thank you okay. so much for, uh, for inviting me. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.